want to get right into to the word this morning. We don't have a two minute message or, you know, the, the memory verse for this week, just in case you didn't get it, is Proverbs 29, 18. It says where there is no revelation or if some certain uh, translations may say vision, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Man, let me just tell you, today is a good day. You know, after after 49 years, you know, finally our nation is coming into agreement. Come on, with the word of God that says that every life is life. Come on. I mean, we hey, hallelujah. Come on. Let's give Lord some praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I, it, it just blows my mind how God lines things up through our Bible reading plan, because, you know, we're reading through this week, we read through Second uh, Kings, the last few chapters, and then we read into Jeremiah, you know, in Jeremiah chapter one, it says this, it says, for before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born, I sanctified you, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Come on, as Christian believers, as I mean, if we're going to believe the word of God, then you have to understand life doesn't begin at conception. Come on, life begins in the heart of God. Before we were even formed in our mother's wombs, God knew us. He had a plan for us. He had a purpose for us. Every life is sacred, no matter how it got here. I, mean, I don't want to get into the, to that too much, but man, God is, is good. And I'm so excited to hear. I know that many of you have been praying for longer than I've been alive. And because of your prayers, God responded. And I believe that that many will come into the house of God and, and worship Him. Amen? Amen. Good day. Hey, I want to I just get into the Word this morning. If you can stand with me as we just prepare and just reverence for the Word of God. And uh, I want to preach, out of, just start a new, a new series, a new theme over these next few weeks or as God just continues to just bring revelation because where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. I believe God's bringing revelation, but I'm reading out of 1 Peter, and we're going to read out of uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, and, and we'll have the verses up on the screen. And just so you know, I typically read out of, the, out of the New King James Version. If you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles actually, the chair back's in front of you. Feel free to take one of those with you, or you can read out of that. I'm not against any other versions, it's just a version I like to read. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. So let's go to the Lord, and let's just, uh, let's just read from His Word today. In 1 Peter 1, 1 through 5, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims. Come on, look at your neighbor say, to the pilgrims. To the pilgrims of the dispersion of Pontus, of Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our, Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Man, come on somebody. Man, that's good stuff. I love the Bible. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you 
who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Come on, friends. Can we just give a, a, just a, a hand clap of praise for the word of God this morning? Hallelujah. You can be seated. You can be seated. Again, I, I want to start just an introductory sermon here today. So I don't know if I'll get through everything that I have to say today. Come on, somebody say that's okay. That's okay. Come on. We're, but I, I just believe that God has a word for this house, for this moment. Come on. And I'm just preaching a message called To the Pilgrims. Come on. I want to talk to the pilgrims in the house today. Oh, man. I want to talk to people who have a vision that extends beyond the circumstances that they're currently living in. Come on, I want to talk to the people who have, who have a heavenly inheritance, who have a promise from God. I want to talk to those who have a plan and who God has a plan and a purpose for their life. I want to talk to the pilgrims. And I believe that, that, that Peter is writing a letter. He's, he's writing this to the pilgrims. One of pilgrim is simply those who are strangers in a foreign land. This is something that, that, that I think we lose sight of a little bit in our American culture. You know, how many of y'all know America? I know this is going to be a very challenging statement. America is not heaven. Come on. America is not, I mean... It's the land of the free, the home of the brave, but it's not the promised land. Come on, we, we know that we are just pilgrims. We are strangers in a foreign land. We don't talk about this enough. You know, it's like our Christian culture has just been one that to transform earth as it is in heaven. I believe that God wants to move in that realm, but I believe that we get confused that we're not of this land. Come on, I'm a, look at your neighbor and say, you're an alien. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, you're you're a little weird. Come on, we're not, we're not meant to dwell in this place. A, a pilgrim is someone who's sojourning in a strange place, a visitor in a foreign land. And man, I, I'll never forget when I was first saved. I was a new, brand new Christian. And somebody, they had just put out a new movie. And this movie was called The Pilgrim's Progress. And, and I later learned that that movie was based upon a book written by a guy named Paul, uh, John Paul Bunyan. He's the... He's the, the other guy. He didn't write books. He cut down trees, you know. Maybe he used the trees to make books. But, but John Bunyan, he wrote this book in 1680, uh, 1678. And this book really transformed my mind, transformed some thoughts that I had about what does it mean to be a Christian. I, I want to encourage you. They have the, you can buy the 1990s or early 2000s era movie. It's much easier to read than like the, the, the Shakespearean book that was written in 1678. But I have a few quotes that I felt were appropriate for today that I want to read from, from John Bunyan's book. The first one is, What God says is best is best, though all men in the world are against it. I, come on, somebody, man. I'm all for democracy, but just because everybody thinks a certain way doesn't make that right. Yeah, that's a great quote. Here's another quote. The man that takes up religion for the world will throw away religion for the world. Let's let that sink in for just a moment. You know, sometimes we're like, man, I want to change the world. Let me try religion, see if that does it. Come on, somebody. Some people are just here to try to make a difference. Come on. I'm here because he made a difference in me. All right, here's another quote. 
It's always hard to see the purpose in wilderness wanderings until they are all over. Man, that's some truth right there. But I, I want to talk a little bit about today, just about pilgrims. What does it mean to be a pilgrim in, in a foreign land? You know, what does it really mean? What is Peter talking about? This pilgrims, to the pilgrims of the dispersion. And I have just three, three simple points today. One, my first point is simply this, that one of the, the signifying characteristics of a pilgrim is unusual hope. Come on, one of the signifying characteristics of a pilgrim is unusual hope. Come on, our nation was founded on the hope that, that, that people would come to a land where they can religious, they can worship God the way they want to, where they can find freedom from oppression, from, from wicked rulers, and, and they can do the things that God has put on their heart to do. One of the characteristics of pilgrims is that we have unwavering, unusual hope. And I want to just encourage you today that no matter where you're at in your faith, no matter what God is doing in your life, never give up hope. Never give up hope. I mean, my goodness, after 49 years of prayer, 49 years of perseverance, 49 years of imprisonments, of being slandered, of being set aside, hope prevails. And now that same hope still lies before us. I love in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. It says, so God has given both His promise and His oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Well, if God said it, it's going to happen, people. Well, this is the hope of the pilgrim. It's the one who says, man, I'm not worried about what's happening around me because I know the land I'm from. He can, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews continues he, continues, he says, Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. You know, we have this hope that pilgrims never give up hope. Man, it's just like total silence right there. But that's what that's one of the signifying that's one of the signifying characteristics. Saints don't give up hope. Come on, parents who are praying for their kids to come back to faith, don't give up hope. Come on, th those of you who are praying for our schools, for our young people, for our youth, for our kids to turn around, to come to Christ, to start to live a godly lifestyle. There's still hope. Don't give up. Come on, those of you whose marriage is struggling, who's, who's fighting and, and, and arguing, and, has, and it seems like there's no hope. Listen, there's still hope. Come on, don't give up hope. One of the characteristics of being a pilgrim is that you have hope. Man, I love being around Christians. You know, because like real, like real Christians who are on fire for the gospel, man, because they have this attitude. It's like, it's unusual. It's peculiar. It's weird. It's like, man, oh, Got diagnosed with cancer. Praise God. He's still my healer in Jesus' name. Come on. Unusual hope. Because they know that we're not of this world. We're of another world. We're pilgrims in a foreign land. Come on, we're not, we're not of this world. Our hope is in eternity. We're just passing through. Our eyes aren't simply on the things that are, that are right here before us, here on this earth, but our, our minds are on, on eternity. And Peter, he's, he has this understanding. He's writing to the pilgrims of the dispersion. That, that word dispersion there, I just want to comment. It just simply means this, sown ones. It means those who are spread out throughout the world, like seeds that are sown into, the, into soil. 
I mean, I believe that today we, we are these pilgrims. We, we are sown. Man, the purpose of the church isn't just to gather the people together. The purpose of the church, the purpose of Christ, the purpose of the King is that we can be dispersed amongst the people of the world, that we can bring redemption and bring home those who were lost to the pilgrims. That's who I'm talking to today. Our journey of faith is just as a journey. Come on, we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, we have a supernatural hope. In fact, the message of the gospel is a message of hope. It's a message of hope. It's a message of grace. Man, I, 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 can, I can tell you 20, over, you know, 20 years ago, things seemed hopeless. And, and the one thing that God put into my heart when I gave it to Jesus was hope. Don't give up hope. Don't quit praying. Don't give up hope. That's one of the signifying marks of a, of a pilgrim. God's grace is sufficient. Forgiveness is the message of the gospel. Grace, mercy, healing, inheritance. Well, I believe that God is doing something new on the earth. And we are the pilgrims in His kingdom. This morning, I, I just want to take a moment, get into some text. And, and if it's okay, listen, I, I need you just to look at your neighbor and say, wake up. Well, look at your other neighbor, just shake him on the shoulder and say, wake up a little bit. Pastor Joe's got to give a history lesson because I need to contextualize some stuff. And I'm going to get as excited as I can about the contextualization because I want you to get it. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you got to get this. Come on, you, I, I, you know, how many of y'all, look, okay, this is an honesty test. It's a real test. How many of you read the Bible, okay, and then you read it and you're like, I don't really know what I just read? Okay, if, if you didn't raise your hand, you don't read your Bible. That's just what that is. Man, the Bible is, is the Bible's tough to understand sometimes, you know. It's, it's tough to understand. But I, so you gotta, sometimes you've got to just spend a little time, a little history lesson, and we're going to get this. Say, I'm going to get this. So, so uh, if you're reading with your Bible with us in our Bible reading plan, we just read through the book of 2 Kings through, through the end of it. And, and we read through that and we read that, that this week that God, he used the, the, the nation of Babylon to overthrow the nation of Judah because of their wickedness. Now, stick with me here today, okay? Seriously. Like I'm, I'm really going somewhere with this. You got to stick with me, but you got to get it. Come on, you got to get it. And in fact, in 2 Kings, it says this in verse 23. Uh, I mean, chapter 23, verses 26 and 27, it says, Nevertheless, the Lord did not turn from his fierceness of his great wrath, with which his anger was aroused against Judah because of all of the provocations with which Manasseh had provoked him. And that Manasseh was the king of, of Israel. He's the king of Judah, sorry. And he was a wicked king. He was evil. Man, he built high places and he, he built... Ashtoreth, uh, uh, he built bad stuff. He was a bad dude, okay? And he caused the people to worship foreign gods. So Manasseh provoked God, and, and the Lord said, I will also remove Judah, which is the nation of the, of south of Israel. The Judah was part of Israel. I'll explain that in just a minute. From my side, as, as I have removed Israel, and will cast away this city, Jerusalem, which I have chosen, and the house which I said, my name shall be there. 
So, so what's basically taking place is God's saying, listen, I, I'm going to hold my hand for a season, but there's coming a time I'm going to take off, I'm going to wipe Judah off the face of the earth. I'm going to wipe the nation, the nation of Israel off the face of the earth. So here it is, just a quick history lesson. It, it won't take me long, but I, I need you to understand that, that, you know, we have like, you know, there's Adam and Eve and then, you know, all these other stories. Then we get to this point. How many of y'all heard of King David? David who slew the giants, right? Well, David, he actually becomes the king of Israel, okay? All 12 tribes. He's the man, right? He takes over for a guy named Saul. Now, David was an honorable man. David was like a man after God's own heart. David was, he was a man's man. Man, he was, he was everything. Apparently in the Bible, he was a woman's man too. So, you know, it's like just kind of what it is. David was the man, you know? But he's a man who had a repentant heart, and, and he unified the nation. He unified the 12 tribes of Israel through their differences, through their separations. He, he did it. And soon after that, David's son became the king. His name was Solomon, right? And, and Solomon, he ascends to the throne, but he quickly falls into idolatry and fornication. You know, it, it's kind of like this rich kid's son. You know, he has all this power, all this other stuff. He's like, man, I'm just going to get all the women I want. I'm going to do whatever I want. And he quickly brings the nation into a place of idolatry, of wickedness, and they are now far from God. Okay, is everybody still with me? Bible scholars, am I doing okay? Yeah, okay. So Solomon, he's there. He's doing that, right? Well, Solomon, he, he appoints this guy named Jeroboam, okay? And Jeroboam, he's kind of like a labor boss. He's like the, the union boss. Of Jerusalem, of, of of Israel, right? And and he's he's over all the workforce, and he's kind of making sure he's, he's telling everybody what to do. He's doing a, a pretty good job, I guess. But then, when Solomon gets older, Jeroboam, Jeroboam he he kind of like you know gets a big head because he's like, man, I could do all this stuff. You know, he's he's like, uh, I'm not going to say that. He's just one of those guys that likes to take charge. I'll say that. So he actually causes a kind of a rift and begins to sow seeds of dissension amongst the brethren, right? How many of you know that, that to sow discord amongst the brethren, uh, the brethren is an abomination before the Lord? I want to, I mean, just stop right there. Be careful what you say. Listen, you can say whatever you want about me. I really don't care, but don't say much about the pastor. That gets a little dangerous. You can talk about me, but don't talk about the pastor. You can talk, don't talk about people in the church. To sow discord amongst the brethren is an abomination before the Lord. I'm just telling you, Jeroboam got caught up in this stuff. Oh, I can do a better job. I can do a better job. So anyway, he ends up splitting, splitting. They have a, 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 a nation split, a church split. So Jeroboam, he ends up becoming the, the king of the north, which is the king, the nation of Israel. Okay? And then Solomon's son, Rehoboam, he becomes the king of Judah, right? So Judah's in the south. That's where Jerusalem is. Somebody say Jerusalem. Okay, that's where actually, that's where our, our, our embassy's at right now. Praise God. Somebody say amen. So, so, so that's where that's it. And in the north, this was the, the nation that became the capital there, Samaria, right? This is where Galilee is. This is the northern kingdom, right? So Israel and Judah, okay? Everybody with me so far? This is important. I'm telling you, you got to stick with me. Sometimes you just got to know. And this is all through the book of 1 Kings, 2 Kings, just giving a little context, Brother Phil, we're going to get through it. So ultimately, uh, because the northern king kingdom has these wicked kings, man, they are worshiping 
and inviting in all kinds of idolatry. You know, they're murdering babies. Like literally, this is in the Bible, you know. They're worshiping their possessions. They are, they are just doing whatever they want. They're building high places and they're, they're actually competing against God, if that's a thing, you know. It's like they're worshiping idols. It's crazy. And then after several, several years, God sends the nation of, uh, of Assyria. And Assyria comes and they just basically wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Okay, but they don't just kind of kill everybody. Assyria was a really cruel nation. So what they did was they took all the people who were in Israel and they hauled them off. Right. And they brought them to a bunch of different places. Man, they put them all over the all over the current map at that time. Right. So they have some in Mesopotamia, which is like Turkey. They have some in Asia Minor. They've got some in, in, in the in the Middle East. They just bring all the people everywhere and they bring new people in to to Israel. Right. To the to that nation of Israel. Right. So they just bring them into captivity. So everybody's still with me. Right. This is important. I'm telling you, this is important. So then after that, in Second Kings, we find ourselves. So now the northern kingdom is in captivity. Right. It is under Assyrian rule. Assyria goes through some some issues and stuff like that. Babylon, which is another nation, a wicked nation, comes in and they ascend to world dominance and power. And because of the wickedness of of Judah, because of the wickedness of the king, what ends up happening is Babylon comes and basically just wipes Judah off the face of the map, right? I mean, and this was all part of God's plan. God later says, like, he, he allowed this to take place. This was part of his plan, right? And they, and they take all of the people from Judah and they scatter them everywhere. I mean, they're all over the place, all over the world, and, and they become what's called the diaspora. They're scattered across everywhere. And for about 600 years, come on, somebody say 600. So this is 600 years before Christ. For 600 years, these people are living in a foreign land. They are pilgrims. They are people living all spread out across the nation. Okay, is everybody still with me so far? Okay, that's the kind of the history lesson. And then there comes this prophet, and his name is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah has this understanding. He's like, man, y'all are doing some pretty wicked stuff. He's this prophet. He said, if you keep doing this, God's going to do something. I'm telling you, I see a boiling pot that's coming from the north, and it's going to destroy everything. And you got to repent. you got to turn. you got to fix this, you know. And nobody listened to Jeremiah. And, you know, of course, all these things take place. And Again, for 600 years, they live in, 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 as strangers in a foreign land. And Jeremiah says, okay, guys, now we're in captivity. Go ahead and build houses. Go ahead and build businesses. Go ahead and start families. Build synagogues. And, and that's actually where the synagogue system of worship comes from, is during the Babylonian captivity. So people are carried away as pilgrims from the land of Judah. And they go over here. They're like, hey, we still are, we're still Jews. We still are going to worship God. So they begin to develop a synagogue system. Still with me? Okay. Sometimes you just got to take a little moment and contextualize the scripture. It's important, you know. In fact, there's a group of them. We're going to read about this over the next weeks that later returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple with Ezra and Nehemiah. It's powerful. But these people, they live in foreign nations for 600 years waiting and wondering. 600 years of being strangers and sojourners, right? 600 years of being surrounded by nations that did not understand them. 
their little curly sideburns and their hats and all this other stuff. 600 years, they were aliens and pilgrims in a foreign land. They were surrounded by nations that practiced wickedness and witchcraft and deception and, and divining and being mediums and fortune telling and, and palm reading. Man, horoscopes. That stuff is wickedness, people. They're surrounded by these people. 600 years of traveling back and forth once they rebuilt the temple to Jerusalem for feasts and celebrations. Come on, 600 years of hanging on to hope that the Messiah would come. 600 years, 600 years, 600 years along. Anybody here 600 years old? One guy in the back, okay. <laughs> I'm kidding, that's a joke. But I mean, 600 years is a long time, but they hang on to hope because that's a characteristic, a signifying characteristic of a pilgrim is that they hang on to hope. Hang on. Hope is one of those characteristics that we have. No matter how long it takes, no matter how hard we pray, no matter how many setbacks, no matter what comes against us, we hang on to hope. And these, these Jews that were scattered across all the world, they hang on to hope. They become pilgrims and they would travel to Jerusalem three times a year uh, specifically one for the for the Pesach and that's that's Passover right they still celebrated Passover and they would go there and they would go to for Shavuot and, and that's the feast of weeks that's what we know for as Pentecost and they would go for Sukkot and that's the feast of booths right because they did all of that stuff in hope that the Messiah was coming back you see they they develop they develop traditions they develop things that they did just waiting for the hope that the Messiah would come and fix all of this messy baloney that they got themselves into. So, point number two. People who never give up hope are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. Come on, people who never give up hope are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. As a matter of fact, I believe that the enemy, the devil, Beelzebub, Satan, Lucifer, has a plan that we want to be so closely identified to the things of this world that we forget that we're just pilgrims dwelling in it. Because as soon as we begin to adopt the traditions of this world, as soon as we say, well, this is the world that we need to fight for, this is the reason that we're here, we lose sight of eternity and we have lost the battle because we've lost hope. Talking to the pilgrims. I believe that because the church never gave up hope that their prayers for 49 and a half years would overturn this blight on our society, that that became a huge problem for the devil. Come on, the greatest threat to the kingdom of darkness is hope. I mean, we have this hope that Jesus is coming back. We are pilgrims waiting for his return. I come to church every Sunday just to try to reach as many people with the glorious message of the gospel of Jesus Christ as possible. So that way we can be ready when Jesus comes back, because that is my hope that in a twinkling of an eye, he will return. We will be called into the heavenlies. We will meet with Jesus face to face. This is the hope. I have. I'm not hoping for a better paycheck or a bigger building or a bigger crowd. I'm hoping for Jesus. Pilgrims never give up hope. That's what makes them pilgrims. These Jews never gave up hope. That's why they were pilgrims and sojourners. They were there even though the situation was difficult. They stayed with hope in their heart. 
Because when we give up hope, we become citizens. We accept our culture. But I believe that God is calling out pilgrims whose citizenship is in heaven today. He's calling the pilgrims together. He is calling those who say, I'm not of this world. Most Pastor Daryl said, I'm an ambassador for Christ. It's not I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me. My home is not in this world, but it's in a world that is eternal. So these Jews who are carried away, they're spread out all over the world. 600 years has changed them. It's, but they never gave up hope. And, and on one of these these pilgrimage that they made from wherever it is that they came on the day of Pentecost, when they came to celebrate the harvest feast, something was different. Something had changed. Something caught their attention. You see, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, this is what it says. It says this, uh, Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Christians and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And I, I, so, okay, it's all going to start coming together. You see, we read that and we think it's just a bunch of people that are from a bunch of foreign lands who just happened to be in Jerusalem that day. But that's not the case at all. Actually, it was a group of pilgrims whose identity for the past 600 years have been waiting for the hope that the Messiah would come, that the King of kings and the Lord of lords would show up on the scene, would begin to do something supernatural that would overcome every work of darkness in their life. And they showed up that day coming from all these different nations, pilgrims in foreign lands came to their homeland with hope on their heart because how many of you know one of the, one of the characteristics, the signifying characteristics of a pilgrim is hope, right? They didn't just go for tradition. They didn't just go for religion. They went because they had hope. Come on, when we take communion, it's not just a tradition. Come on, we take communion because it's hope. It's, it's a declaration. It's saying, Lord, the devil has no hold on me. I'm reminding the enemy of the blood of the new covenant of Jesus Christ that covers my life. I am a pilgrim on this earth living in hope for a new future. See, these people come from all this. They, they came with hope on their heart. They were there for Shavuot. They were there to celebrate the harvest. They were there 50 days after the Passover. Probably, man, y'all remember that guy who got crucified? And they're hearing on the news, on Facebook, on social media. They're seeing on CNN, well, maybe Newsmax. They don't really give good news on CNN. So they were watching all the Twitter feeds. They're like, man, that dude, Jesus, remember we were there on Pentecost and, and he was crucified. They say he came back to life. I mean, can you imagine these pilgrims have so much hope? They're like, man, something happened, something significant, something started, something changed. That dude, they said, they, I'm hearing the stories. They were pilgrims. I, I don't believe that that, that that Pentecost, that they just walked to Jerusalem, but they ran hoping to see the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was raised to new life. They came with hope on their with anticipation of something new, something different. 600 years is a long time to wait. But they showed up and something was a little different than what they expected. 
You see, they heard Peter and the others and many that day, they gave this message uh, about Jesus who was crucified, who was raised again. They're like, yeah, we know that. He said, but listen, Jesus gave a promise and he began to talk to him about the, the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit would come. And these these pilgrims, these people who had come from far away because they had hope in their heart, began to see the power of God made manifest in their homeland. Ah. Oh. This is good stuff. This is powerful stuff. You see, they received the message of Jesus. Many of them that day, it says 3,000 were saved and they were baptized and their lives were changed and they were transformed and they became born again believers. That day, these pilgrims that came with hope on their heart, with anticipation in their minds, and they're like, oh, this is awesome. Saved. Messiah's come. Pastor Travis, he was here. Messiah is here. And, and they went back to their countries. See, I, I'm, now I'm really starting to contextualize. You see, the, these Persians, these Medes, you know, these Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia and Judea and, and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and, and, and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene and, and visitors from Rome and Jews and proselytes and Cretans and Arabs. They all said, man, we got saved. They're on fire for Jesus. God is doing something in my life. God is doing something in the world. And you know what they did? They hung around for a little while. Then they went back home. They went back to their synagogues. They went back to their life. They went back to the place that God had planted them for 600 years ago. But something had changed in them. The seed that God had sown 600 years before had begun to bear fruit in their lives. Come on, their message came back different. They're like, let me show you the truth of the gospel. They became living evangelists, ambassadors, apostles, sent ones, ones sent to change the world and turn it upside down. They were pilgrims of the dispersion. You see, now when you read 1 Peter, you know who Peter's talking about. You know who he's talking about. This is, this is what really blows my mind. See, they brought the good news back with them. Many of them had personal encounters. E even with the Apostle Paul, you know, they were there. Maybe they stuck around for a little while. Then they had this guy named Saul who was a persecutor of the church, and he kind of ran everybody out of Jerusalem. So they went back to where they came from, but they didn't leave empty-handed. I, I mean, I, I need you just to kind of think with me, just imagine with me for a minute what's taking place here. You know, these who came in a seemingly traditional moment. Many of you here today probably say, well, it's Sunday, so I need to go to church. Man, watch out. These, these pilgrims, they said, well, it's Shavuot. We need to go to Jerusalem. We need to fulfill these obligations religiously that, that, that we have to do because we're Jews. And the Holy Ghost just met them there. Man, that's some good stuff. And you see, so this is what happens. So then they go back and they begin to, they receive this, this, this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. They're saved. They receive the message of the cross. 
And, and, and see, this is, doesn't this explain so much? So when, when Saul, when Peter, when he started his missionary journeys, you see, he didn't just go to, to the synagogues and try to convince people who had never heard the name of Jesus that there was a Jesus. No, more than likely what happened was there were people who were there on the day of Pentecost who were saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they went back to their foreign countries. They became pilgrims in a foreign land, and when Paul came, they're like, hey, man, we heard about this Holy Ghost. We heard about this Jesus. Come on, come and teach. Come tell us. Come help us. Come bring clarity, understanding to people's hearts. They were pilgrims in a foreign land, but God hadn't forgotten them. Come on, pilgrims here today. God hasn't forgotten you. That moment God had planted them there for just that moment. 600 years before, He sends people throughout all the earth with a knowledge that he was going to send Jesus and he needed seed in the ground. 600 years. And the word came. I'm going to tell you, hope is the greatest danger to the kingdom of darkness. When the church loses hope, come on, it loses sight of the kingdom. Never give up hope. You know, these, these, these men, these women, these individuals, these born-again believers begin to turn the world upside down. Maybe they didn't understand it. Maybe they didn't know why they were living out there, but God knew exactly why. So one of the first verses of Scripture I ever memorized as a new believer was Romans 8.28. For God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. You know, and it's really true. Friends, don't think that you're getting laid off from your job. Isn't just God moving you from one place to the next? Come on, I'm not saying we're going to blame God for every bad thing that happens in our life, but man, we need to quit blaming the devil for sure. Come on, it's either God is sovereign or he's not. The devil is defeated or he's not. And I'm here to tell you today that the enemy is defeated. Come on, we have victory through the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, he can work all things together for the good of those. We're called to... According to our, we just got to be willing to be pilgrims. You see, this is what's cool about this whole story in the book of Acts. You see, these people who came, these people who Peter's talking to, he said, they're not people who are from Pontus and Galatia and Cappadocia and Asia and Bithynia. Come on, they are the people of God who are in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Just to kind of contextualize that thought a little bit. Friends, we're not, uh, uh, we're not people who are Americans today. Come on, we are the people of God who live in America. Come on, we're not, we're not because, because where we are isn't because of who we are. My identity is in heaven. I'm a Christian first. I'm a son of the, the Most High God first. I am an ambassador for Christ first. I am born again first in my life. Well, your geography doesn't determine your identity. In fact, I would say this, my last point. Worship team, y'all can come on up. Last point, our identity is not that of our homeland, but our identity is that of our promised land. Come on, our, our identity isn't about the color of of our skin. Come on. Our identity is in who is our father, who is our king. Our identity isn't a, 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 a wrapped around where our homeland is on this earth, but we are pilgrims sent here because we are from the promised land. And today, 
Our identity, we have to have an understanding, is not of this world, but it's of the next world. Man, friends, this, this, this past week, huge victory for the kingdom of light, for Christ. I mean, as, as again, our nation comes into agreement with the word of God, but that doesn't mean that the work is done. I believe that the work is just beginning. As a, as a matter of fact, we as a church, we support a pregnancy center. I want to encourage you, support the pregnancy centers in your communities. Support organizations like Embrace Grace who try to help those who, come, who, who find themselves pregnant out of wedlock or with a guy who's not sticking around. I mean, come on, we, need, we are called to help. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that pure religion and undefiled before the Lord is what? to care for widows and orphans, to care for those who are less fortunate among us. It's the role of the church. In fact, Jesus said himself, bring the children to me. Our identities, not that of our homeland, but it's that of our promised land. Come on, I'm not trying to look like the church. I'm trying to look like heaven. Come on, I, I, don't, I don't want to look like the, the people around me. Come on, I want to look like Christ in heaven. I don't want to worship because the people around me are worshiping. I want to worship because the angels in heaven are worshiping. Our identity is not of this world. You see, we're pilgrims. Sent for a purpose. Sent for hope. In fact, Peter says this in verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, we have this inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. In fact, it's reserved in heaven for us. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Friends, today we are pilgrims for Christ. God has put you here for a specific purpose for such a time as this. And I believe that God has planted a seed in this nation that will not be snuffed out. I believe that there is a remnant of believers that will not be snuffed out. They will not be intimidated by the, by the world around them. They will, not be, uh, they, they will not be afraid because people don't always agree with them. Come on, because we know that our identity isn't found with the things on this earth, but our identity is found in the things of eternity. We are the seed. We are the pilgrims of the dispersion. God has sent us here. How many of you know that as American as we all are, ain't none of us really from America? Come on. I mean, we came here from somewhere. My last name is Cormier. That's Irish or something. I don't know. It's a joke. I'm, it's French. I mean, I'm a pilgrim that's here. I mean, we're all pilgrims. We're all people of dispersion. I don't think that we should try to find our identity with the things of this world, but we should try to find our identity with the things of eternity. When the church begins to realize that, come on, the world around us begins to change. The message of the gospel is powerful. Man, I love... Uh, I love all of the humanitarian work that the church does. I love it. I love feeding people. I love painting schools. I love putting together little backpacks for kids and wonderful stuff. I love, 
I love, I love doing that. But do you know that the anointing of God comes in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus? It's when the believer has an understanding that, that we are just pilgrims here on this earth that carry the message, the hope of Jesus Christ and His return. Man, that's where the anointing comes. I believe God is calling the pilgrims out. He's calling the strangers out of darkness. He's calling those who have, who have shrunk back from the faith to stand up, to rise up, to begin to declare truth in the land, to take back the land. I believe that God is calling the prodigals back to their purpose, back to their anointing, back to their hope. I believe that God is releasing the power of the Spirit to wake up those who are sleeping. For the people of God to come alive, to rise up in truth, to begin, to begin to understand who their identity is once again. I believe that there's pilgrims in the land. I believe there's pilgrims in this church. In fact, I believe there's pilgrims in this room. Man, God's placed some of us in some really strange places, some foreign lands. Some schools, some businesses, some governments. Come on, don't think that your job is trying to... Of course your job's trying to suppress you. Of course the schools are trying to suppress the message of the gospel. Come on, we didn't come there or go to those places to come into agreement with what was happening around us. We went there to bring the anointing of Jesus Christ. God sent us to that place. You see, even when these pilgrims left their native land and went to this foreign land. They didn't give up hope. They didn't quit coming to Jerusalem. They didn't quit waiting for the Messiah. They didn't quit doing the traditional things they had to do because it was inconvenient, because it looked silly. Just because you leave this room doesn't mean you quit reading your Bible. Don't mean you quit praising the Lord. Come on, you do that every day. The weirdest thing on the face of the planet is a Christian who doesn't pray. A, a, a Christian who doesn't worship. A Christian who just looks like the rest of the world. So today, I just want to just, the simple message is to the pilgrims. Come on, I just want to take these next few weeks or however long. I just want to begin to preach a message of identity. To, 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 to preach a message of hope. The, I want to preach a message of, of, of sanctification, of obedience, of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on, I want to begin to say, Lord, I we are pilgrims in a foreign land. What does it mean to be the church? When we're truly operating as a church, there is no compromise with the world. And friends, I believe, the reason I, I say this because I believe that the church is, although we've had victory, I believe that the enemy is, is about to unleash some things. And I, I don't say that to be fearful. Actually, it should be encouraging because we have the hope. We have the solution. We have the answer. You, you, when the church is more concerned about its about its nonprofit status than it is about its truth declaring status, we've got a problem. In fact, I believe even the term nonprofit is a self-identifying comment. When the church identifies as a nonprofit, then we are non-prophetic. We lose our voice into the world that that that's we lose our ability to speak into places that 
we can't speak. And I'm just telling you, the truth needs to, the church needs to learn to speak the truth. We don't need to give up. I don't care how far you are from God today. Come on, let's just stand. I don't care how far you are from God. Man, these places that, that Peter lists, that lists Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, these places are far from Jerusalem. I don't care how far you are from God. God's calling you home. I don't care if, if you're a drug addict, a drug dealer, a prostitute, a, an adulterer. I don't care if you're a liar, a cheat. I don't care if you identify in the LGBTQ movement. I don't care if you agree totally with abortion. I don't care how far you are from God. God is calling you home today. God is calling you to a miraculous encounter with Him. God is calling you to be the voice of truth. God is calling you. You are simply, you want to know why you don't fit in or anybody around you? Because you were never meant to fit in with the people of this world. You are a pilgrim in a foreign land. God is calling the church. We just take a moment. I just want to just take a moment, just pray. I want to do two things this morning. I want to call those who have given up hope. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for those who are just giving up hope. Maybe, maybe they they things ain't working out like you thought they should. Maybe, maybe you're kind of confused and you don't really know how to deal with all these things that's going on around me. Maybe you even have compassion for those who, who are taken aback or taken by surprise with this court ruling. Friends, I, I understand. I mean, it's a... I, I, for 49 years, we've put the law ahead of God's law. And that can be confusing for people. Just because it's legal doesn't mean that it's right in God's eyes. Well, God's law is above every other law. God's, God's message of salvation is above every sin. It says that where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And I just want to encourage you today that if you've given up hope, there's hope for you. So that's what I'll do this morning. I just want to take a moment and we're going to pray and the worship team is going to sing a song. We're just going to worship together for a few moments. And then I'm going to come back and pray for those of you who are waiting as pilgrims for the hope to come. Maybe you've been praying for, man, listen, we had, Shannon, we prayed last week for, for prodigals to come home. For those who have kids that are far from God to come home. You know, we had a lady who's not here today. She came up for prayer. You know, her son called her the next day. Ten years of silence. You know why she's not here? Because her son invited her to come to church with her. And he hadn't been in church in 12 years. God is calling the prodigals home. I mean, it, listen. We just can't give up hope. If... if if this week has said anything to the church, is that God is still a miracle worker. That God is still on the throne. That God still answers prayers. That He is still our deliverer. That He still brings peace to the land and He hasn't given up on us yet.
So I just want to take a moment, and we're going to pray for those who have who are looking for hope. Come on, as we worship, come on, if you were just waiting on God for something, maybe it's for healing in your body, maybe you just are, are hoping beyond hope for, for a son or a daughter to come home, maybe you're just waiting, or, or you just want to celebrate what God has done, we just come to the altar, and we're just going to take a moment and pray here after we worship, amen? Here's the second thing I want to do. If, if you've never followed the Lord in water baptism, I want to encourage you to do that. Come on, the, the, the tank is, is filled this morning and we're going to fill it next week and the week after and the week after. But our first act of obedience, if you want to see God really begin to move in your life and change your life, listen, follow the Lord in water baptism. Be obedient to His call for that. If that's you, if you want to be water baptized today, would you just go meet Pastor Desmond over there by the cross? He's going to get some information from you and after we worship and pray, we're going to baptize you. Amen. We have towels and t-shirts, so... We'll try to take care of you the best we can. Amen. Well, can we just worship together and uh, and we'll come back and pray in just a moment. I want to be close, close to your side, so heaven is real and death is alive. I want to hear voices of angels above singing as one. Hallelujah, holy, holy, God Almighty, great I am, who is worthy, none beside
Hallelujah. Come on, we just extend our hands to heaven. Come on, how many of y'all need just a, the great I am to just speak in this moment? Come on, there is none beside him. Lord Jesus, right now, Lord, I just pray over the pilgrims in this house, Lord. Lord, I, play, I pray over the seeds of this house, Lord God. Those who have not given up hope, Lord, those who have not given up uh, to pursuing Jesus, Lord, those who have not given up on you, but those who are persistent in prayer. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to move on this house. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to penetrate hearts, Lord, to be, would begin to move upon those who have maybe gotten tired, maybe gotten weary, Lord God, who are maybe still waiting on an answer, Lord, waiting on healing, waiting on your deliverance, Father. I pray that now, right now, Lord, meet us here. Lord, Lord God, meet us here. Come on, I want to invite our prayer team just to come on up. Come on right now, just prayer team, come on up. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, if you need prayer right now, I just want you to come. If you just need hope restored in your life, come on. Maybe you're in a dry place. Maybe you have, have maybe you are far from God and you just want to come home today. Today is your day. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, don't wait. Would you come find one of these prayer partners here right now? We're going to pray for you. Come on, they're here to come into agreement with you right now. Right now. Come on, don't wait. Don't wait. Come now. Come on, the very thing that you are waiting for God to do, God is waiting for you to respond right now. Come on. Come on, we're just going to begin to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if, if so we have some, some more room over here, if, if somebody needs to come over here to my left, your right. Come on, church, can we just extend our hands right now? Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you, Father, for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for the hope that we have in you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for those pilgrims. Lord, for those who, who, have, who, who are far from you, but Lord, you call us home, Lord. Lord, I pray for those who we, you have sent us back out into the world, back out to complete an assignment in you. Lord God, to complete and to be uh, an ambassador for you in a foreign land, Father. Lord, I pray that you give us a renewed anointing, a renewed purpose. Lord God, as the world begins to question, as the world begins to wait, as the world begins to wonder, Lord, let your word go forth. Give us the words to speak when we stand before kings and dignitaries. Lord, give us the words to speak when we stand before our neighbors, Lord, our employees, our bosses, Father God, our teachers. Lord, I pray for our students. Lord, I pray for our parents, Lord. Give them the words to speak, Lord, when, when their kids come home with all kinds of strange reports, Lord God. Lord, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be with every person, with every soul, Lord God, with everyone who seeks after you, Lord, for every pilgrim, Lord God, who's a stranger on this earth, whose home is in eternity, whose identity is in a promised land, Lord God, that you begin to encourage us and strengthen us, Lord, give us the authority of grace and mercy. Lord, we thank you for that. We glorify you and we magnify you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Come on, just right where we are. Just Can we extend our hands? Come on, just ex- extend your hands. Come on. Hallelujah. Holy, holy. God Almighty. Great I am. Who is worthy? None beside thee. God Almighty. Great I am. Come on, can we just sing that? Hallelujah. Holy, holy. God Almighty. Great I am. Who is worthy? None beside thee. God Almighty. Great I am. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. As Pastor Joe was praying, I felt the Lord say that there's fear in the house. And it wasn't a fear of, of being unprotected. It was more of a fear of how do I share Jesus now. Like there's there's people, there's contention in the land. And I felt like this just overwhelming feeling of fear of if I say the wrong thing. Is there is there anybody feeling like that in the house? Like I, I'm a Christian. How do I say the right things, right? So I'm gonna pray. If you have if you have that thought in your mind, just it, what if I say the wrong things? I'm just gonna pray over you right now, okay? Father, I thank you that you are not the God who instills fear. Lord, you are the everlasting God. Lord, you give us the spirit of power, the spirit of love, the spirit of a sound mind. Father, I come against the, uh, the objective of the enemy to shut the mouth of the believer in the name of Jesus right now. And God, I loose the tongue of those that believe in you, Jesus, the ones that love you, God, the ones that confess you as Lord. Father, I thank you that you will give them the right words to speak, Lord God, that Father, we don't live on this earth according to the plans and the purposes of the enemy, God. We live on this earth according to the plans and the purposes of you, God. You placed us in authority in areas of our life, God, that we have a right to speak, God. Lord, I ask you right now, God, right now in the name of Jesus, God, I loose the tongue of the believer now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I loose the spirit of authority, God, of anointing, of peace, of the presence of God, of the holiness of the Father and the words that they speak, God. And Father, I just shut the mouth, God, of the enemy in their ears saying, don't say that, don't do that, don't speak that. You can get arrested for that, Lord God. Oh, that we would be arrested for the glory of God. Father, I pray that they would have a heart to serve you in such a way, in such a manner, God, that fear of the enemy has no hold. I just break that now in this house. I specifically hear somebody saying, I'm really scared. I'm really scared, God. I'm really scared. I'm really scared. I'll do it, God, but I'm scared. Let me just tell you, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And if He can transform a life through just one word out of your mouth, your life has been used for the the Lord. One word, one word. Allow God to use your mouth. 
I'm scared. I just keep hearing, I'm scared. I'm scared. What if I say the wrong thing? I truly believe that God has anointed you to preach the gospel. I don't know who you are. I hear you. I, I do not know who you are, but I can hear your doubt. And the Lord is greater than that. He's overcome your heart. He's overcome the world. All the things that you fear right now that you're in confusion about. I even feel like it's someone in your home that you're afraid to speak over. I pray that God would give you an entryway that you've been begging for for years. I pray for an open heart and open mind to plant the seed of the gospel in their life that they cannot deny the Lord Jesus Christ ever again. That their life turn, turn immediately today in the name of Jesus. And that the fear that you have would be dissipated because you see what Christ can do. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your will. We thank you, God, that you are the God that sees every heart, every mind, every thought, God, every deed, that you're not oblivious to what's happening, God, and that, Father, we can feel contention, but, Lord, you bring peace, God, that the world cannot give and ne neither can it take away, God. I pray for great peace over this body right now in the name of Jesus, the great peace of the Lord Jesus Christ right now in the name of Jesus over your heart, over your mind, over your confusion, that it dissipate now. I thank you for it, Father. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Come on, if that's you, could you just, before we leave here, would you just come find Shannon? She wants to pray with you here this morning. Okay. Hey, we're just going to take a moment here as the worship team continues to uh, worship. And we're just going to celebrate someone making a decision to be baptized. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, amen. Hey, we're, gonna, we're just going to get ready for baptism. It'll take me just a minute. And uh, would you just hang around with us as we celebrate together? Come on, that's a big day. It's a big day. Amen. Thank you all so much. We'll get ready. Worship team, we're going to worship. We're just going to celebrate the Lord Jesus in water baptism. Amen. So just give us one second. We're going to just shift kind of just a little bit. Because listen, man, if we're going to praise, let's, let's praise. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's give him the praise and glory and honor that he is due. And we're going to, man, we are going to praise these baptisms because how amazing is it that you can be turned from old life to new life, from life, I mean, from death to life. Come on, amen.
you are.